Ladies and gentlemen, it's 12-12-12. This is 508 Show About Wuss. Breaking. Shane Capper's on the show today. Updated. Brendan Malikin's also on the show How today. You, sir? Updated and breaking. I'm Michael Benedetti. Today on the show, we're going to talk about things in the city of Worcester. How are you doing? I'm good, man. You were just you were just looking at this chart here. This, power, this, this is the famous power chart we were talking about on last week's show. This is the full version of the, uh, <clears throat> the Worcester power chart. Who rules Worcester? This is from 1970, the Spider Web of Command. Here, the actual spider in this case being Robert Stoddard. The uh, Telegram and Gazette and the John Birch Society. And the John Birch Society. You were just talking about him in the John Birch Society. Well, I was. There's some interesting stuff that's a little bit more... T I think everyone knows that the Telegram has always kind of had roots to the Birch Society through Stoddard, which is interesting in and of itself. But something that's a little bit more uh, contemporary, I guess, uh, of interest would be that uh, his involvement was actually parallel to the Koch brothers, who I'm sure a lot of people have, are familiar with from their yes. funding of the Tea Party on a national level. Their father was one of the founders of the John Birch Society with Stoddard. Oh, really? So there's some really kind of interesting roots that in an all roads lead to Worcester sort of way where you have a lot of uh, seemingly older, uh, now defunct, uh, nefarious folks operating uh, with this organization. They used to carry some political weight, uh, but you know, I'm not sure most people recognize that the Koch brothers have a direct lineage to Worcester in a roundabout sort of way, in it's an indirect sort of way. In a totally indirect way. That's, that's kind of cool. Directly indirect. An indirect lineage. Well, here's what I want to talk about this week, guys. Probably the top story of the week. That's a that's an older story. The founding of the John Birch Society is not a that's not a break. That's, that's not, not breaking. breaking. <laughs> that's not broken. Not, you just updated it, but it's not breaking. <laughs> I think that the breaking story. It's been so many weeks since we did a show. We should have talked about this weeks and weeks ago. Did we do a show last week? We did, but we didn't talk about any of the top stories. Oh. We keep forgetting the top story, which is that this show, with your help, actually you did it. The people at home did this. <laughs> Faithful voted enough people voted for this show on the Telegram and Gazette Living Section poll. That we won the weekly poll on the Telegram and Gazette, Telegram.com living section poll. This was a poll which was basically saying, uh, talking about Kathy Griffin's show, My Life on the D-List. Who would be the best uh, Who would be a guests. good guest? This is a show apparently which was about her trying to get off of the D-List. Mm -hmm. And she would try to like schmooze with people who were not on the D-List. We defeated Dale LePage of WooTube, Christina Andrianopoulos, Connie Lukes, who actually came in second to us with 13.4% of the vote. We defeated Radio of Horrors' Chris Dunmead. Mm -hmm. And we defeated, I would say probably unjustly, the Turtle Boy. Okay. We got 64.3% of the vote. I don't know if we were the president of the living section that week or what we get as a result of winning this poll that week. I'm sure there's an award coming. It's probably uh, in the mail. I do feel waiting. bad for Turtle Boy. I mean, being inanimate, it's, it was difficult for him to defend himself and find a way to uh, rally the troops, if you will. Well, I just want to thank people so much for, for pitching in on this. And I think we're willing to make this commitment. We're willing to make this commitment, right? Which oh, is to absolutely. say we can stick to this. that we are only going to ask our friends and fans to vote for this show in one poll a year. One meaningless poll a year. One, well, and that's the thing is that that poll, every year we will attempt to keep it hmm. at or below the level of the Telegram and Gazette living section yeah. online weekly poll. That level of, presti we'll of never prestigiousness. Ask any more of you. Yes. So thank you for helping us win our effort for 2012 to win a poll. Um, I actually want to talk about uh, a current pol current political thing, but first I just want to go. So uh, I want to talk about political stuff from this week. Um, this week, the city council voted to change the city ordinances 
to get rid of the, the big pit bull crackdown mm. that we complained for many hours on this show about. Because the state voted in some animal legislation a few months back, which basically said municipalities can no longer uh, have their own like dog ordinances, especially breed-specific breed do dog, dog ordinances. ordinances are no longer allowed in the Commonwealth. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so the city of Worcester, despite the fact that this was actually like a news item about you know this high-profile controversy in Worcester, the city of Worcester didn't do anything about this. Just kind of sat on it. Until some local dog owners stepped up and said, seriously, guys, you need to like wake up and realize it's November 2012. The world has changed. The Commonwealth has moved on. The Commonwealth has moved on. They're Worcester really needs to move on. on. So this week, the city council voted for this new, this new ordinances. By, it says, so here it says here approved by a roll call. Well, this is what the, the, Worcester, the Worcester Magazine Live blog said. It was approved by a roll call. People have noted that Bill Eddy, who is the big champion of uh, meaningless and ineffective pit bull legislation in the city of Worcester, walked out during this roll call vote. Really? This is what they said. So, so, that, so, so, apparently, so that apparently he wouldn't have to say yay or nay on this, or maybe just have the camera fixed on his face painfully Protest. during this vote. I don't know. Is there any way do you think that we can get the city council to vote uh, to give us back the time that they stole from us while uh, deliberating over this law that is now officially fallen on the wrong side of history? No. Is that physically possible? Is it? This show, everything we do in this show, is lost in the sands of time. <laughs> Never getting it back. Like something, out, it, like something out of Blade Runner. Um, but without fancy, lit up, less special effects. Uh, speaking of speaking of uh, speaking of ineffective legislation, the city's third attempt at cracking down on panhandling is going to move forward. Mm. Reportedly, I don't know if this is reportedly. Um, th there's a city council joint committee that that this issue was referred to because there was enough controversy around their third attempt to crack down on panhandling that they were like, okay, we actually have to talk about this more than just at a city council meeting, mm. and so. Uh, I think it's in January there's going to be this joint commission is going to meet and talk about this. this. This third attempt is the attempt which is mostly involving actual ordinances saying where you can and cannot ask people for help in the city of Worcester. Um, some of which may or may not be covered by existing ordinances, some of which may or may not be constitutional, mm -hmm. um, some of which may or may not get rid of maybe one, two panhandlers in the city of Worcester, maybe fewer. <laughs> But as we just discussed in the previous uh, matter, uh, the city of Worcester will not be deterred by laws. You uh, know, we, we're not going to let laws and statute and whatnot get in the way of, of you, our important business. Are you talking about the legislature of the city of Worcester? Or are you talking about the city, the people in the city in general? Well, the, the, our, our elected leaders. Yes. I know no, the, the city. The I city might the people get... Anyway, I, I should bring, bring you back to the pit bull stuff for a moment. A couple of interesting things. Number one, if you're over 70, you don't have to pay to license your dog in the city of Worcester. Did you know this? I had no idea. That's right. Number two, there's no dogs allowed downtown. Did you know this? I did know that. Everybody knows this. That goes back to the 90s, though. It's something yeah. we haven't really talked about in a long time. Well, this has been That's... renewed in this ordinance. Yeah. Despite the fact that it, whenever I go downtown, I see half a dozen unmuzzled pit bulls being right. walked around downtown. So Which I don't is, know was kind of the, the, whole, the silliness behind the whole ordinance to begin with, was because it was supposed to, you know, we were discussing uh, these violent attacks in theory of dogs in yes. public places, most of the places where those attacks were supposedly happening were it was illegal to own dogs there anyway. So yes. there was already a legal remedy to the issue that was perceived by the council. They yes. just didn't bother to do anything with the ordinances that they probably spent hours deliberating 20 yes. years, 10, 15 years ago as opposed yes. to just easier to come up with new crap instead of dealing with the old crap. This is why, I mean, this is why I connect this back to the panhandling, that in the same way that the dog ordinance had to do with dogs, but mm -hmm. it didn't impact dogs in the situations where dogs attack people, namely in people's house. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like the panhandling ordinance has to do with panhandlers, but all it does is restrict civil liberties in certain ways without actually doing anything about sure. the pain. The panhandling problem is a hard problem to deal with. I'm not surprised that they don't have a good ordinance for dealing with it. I wish that they would just sort of say, it's a hard problem to deal with and effectively a nuisance. Let's move on. Right. But I mean, what you said is very true. It's a, it's a difficult problem to deal with, but it's not a difficult problem to deal with because somebody hasn't come up with the right ordinance as of yet. It's a difficult problem to deal with because socioeconomic issues involving poverty and homelessness, yes. especially like things like veterans and whatnot, are major issues that would probably be best tackled on a national level, not by a group of part-time uh, elected officials who really don't seem mostly interested in dealing with real issues. Well, I want to say something super nice about the city of Worcester. Awesome. Which is that we have the sweet skating rink. We talked about it last week, and now we're going to take you there, opening night, the city hall skating rink. Here it is. It's November the 30th, 2012. The skating rink behind City Hall is open. We're here with the master, Bruce Snow Ghost Russell. What do you think of all this, man? I hope it lasts. What? I hope it lasts. Me too. It's a good Christmas wish. <laughs> Thanks, man. Don't no, change one person before it destroys it for everybody else. Awesome. Do you, do you guys want to go around and try to ride some skates? Yeah. Alright, let's do it. You're gonna go? You're gonna go? You're gonna yeah. Alright. Which way do you want to go? I think we should go this way. There's a good number of people back there. This is like, there was a big, uh, a lot of hoopla earlier, and this is several hours after the hoopla. And there's still a nice crowd out here. What did you say that's whoa? What? What did you say whoa to? There's just, just there's a lot happening. Is there, it doesn't always happen in Worcester. I know. I couldn't believe this was happening. <laughs> this chilly equipment really works. We're gonna feel the same way when we're gonna feel the same way when City Square finally opens. Okay. How could it ever even happen? This is the skate track. This is the line. Where's the city manager? Where's the city manager? Up, over. Wait, where's the city manager? It's not by that way. Oh crap. Okay. Oh. All right. Well, we missed. We missed you on the city manager. And here is a line. Good job. Holly Jones. Breaking news. What is this paper in your hand? The situation at the Worcester skating rink is that they have run out of adult skates. Uh -huh. So they're giving out coupons to skate for free another time. Man, that's a drag. It's a bummer. That is a At drag. At least they still have little kid skates though. Man, I wish I was a little kid. This is frustrating. I still want to skate on this ice. Is like, is it covered in like powdered ice? Yeah. Here. I didn't skate on the rink, but I did touch the rink. Luna. <laughs> Eat a little piece of the rink. It mostly tastes like uh, sand. This is the this is the Worcester Common 
uh, Christmas tree. It's an artificial tree. And here, unbeknownst to many people, is a is this a door? Yeah. A oh. door into the interior of the tree. <laughs> it's a door to the And now you're inside the tree. You're in the, you're in the Christmas dimension. It's amazing. And we're back in the kitchen of the 508 show. Today on the show is Brendan Malikin. Still. And with Shane Capra. Shane, would you care to do some out? Would you care to reach out to me? Would you care to outreach me? Well, Mike, I'm here to tell you all about the Worcester Letter Bateman program. And so, it, most people know about the problem of leg paint inside the house. If you have a house that's built before 1978, you probably have lead paint. Do you know what I read the other day? Hmm? Do you know what I read the other day? What'd you read? So I've oftentimes, and Bre I don't, uh, Brendan has a lot of opinions about this, hey. so I don't want to get back to Brendan too much. I have read many theories for why there was this, why there was this strange arc in the way of like the crime rate in the United States. Like it went up for a while, and then like, in especially in recent lead? decades, it's Poison? gone down. Well, their thing was like, you know, people have talked about it. it's this, it's that, it's socioeconomic, it's abortion being legalized, it's this, whatever problem. This guy was making the argument. He was like, because of the way that it's such a broad spectrum thing across the country, He's like, it's probably the one unifying factor we can agree on is that it was from phasing out the use of lead. This is why crime went down. Okay. Because people had less of those sort of brain problems that make them crazy and criminal. Hmm. So you have that. So there's still plenty of crazy criminality, just not lead-based. No more lead-based criminals. So you were just talking about lead abatement, though. All right. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. this, this, this new crime deterrent program... <laughs> um, so the Worcester Letter Bateman program works on, um, it's a city program that works on trying to get rid of lead inside of people's houses, but specifically the groups that I work with, Worcester Roots Program Project and um, Youth in Charge over in Plumlee mm -hmm. are doing stuff around lead that got bound up in soil. Because a lot of times when people did, you know, the outside scraping and remediation, they just threw it in the yard. Right. Um, so lead doesn't go away. It's a heavy metal and it stays in about the... Hold on. Top six inches of soil. Okay. Heavy metal. <laughs> um, so it stays in the soil, and this is still a health risk, f mostly for young people, people younger than six years old, develop neurological problems, ADHD. Right. Cr apparently, crime lords. Homicidal all, maniacs. All of them. Um, so what the Worcester Letter Abatement Program does is it does free t soil testing which youth in charge or talking soil busters or anyone at Worcester Roots can do for you and if you have kids younger than six who live in that house you can apply to the Worcester Lead Abatement Program and get up to $8,000 to remediate your yard. Oh really? So that's the program. So this is really that's pretty good. Yeah well I mean like this sort of funding comes through HUD in whatever manner right. and it's very hard to get them to actually get the contracts done because soil is like not something that's on their radar. They don't mm. get a lot of complaints because it's like not something that's in there. But most of the 70% of the yards that we've tested in the Bell Hill area, we've done about 45, um, are dangerously high above, above the threshold for mm. what the EPA says is okay for children to be around. So what we what we learned here is that if if you have not had your yard yard tested for paint, and you got some kids, you not don't, just paint, lead and other toxins. Lead and other toxins. If you hadn't had your yard tested for toxins, mm -hmm. and you got children, you don't want your children to become criminals. It's a bad scene. So just what what society will give you some money to fix the problem. You just got to be proactive and call call somebody. Do you yeah. folks do all the testing? On this as well. I mean, yeah. I, I, so we take we take the t the samples and we send them to 
um, UMass Amherst or oh. UMass Memorial? Are they, it's probably a stupid question, but are they, the, like, the, the kits that you can buy for lead, to test for lead paint, are those, do those work on things like soil or whatnot? I have no idea as far as they're, I know they work on, like, the paint themselves, but I don't know yeah. if, like, um, there's probably, because it's parts per million, I don't know if it's that no. good. Yep. Mm. But there's, like, I know they make those guns that you can just, like, shoot into the ground and just, like... Tells you whether there's lead in there. What? Those cost like thousands of dollars. Do you have one of these? No. Okay. Can Do you, you have get one for the show? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we can rent one. <laughs> so if people want it, so obviously people should just Google lead abatement Worcester or something. Or Worcester Roots Project and contest us through there, and we'll. What is your? What's the contact info? Contact info is WorcesterRoots.org. WorcesterRoots.org. Get your eye fixed. Save your children from a life of crime. Um. Boy, there's this election commission hearing. I don't know if we have the time to talk about this. There's this thing about the Worcester Development Corporation trying to monopolize the parking in the theater district, aka the library district. I don't know if we have time to talk about those tax rates. I, you know, I really want to talk about housing. I don't want to talk about housing this week. Next week's the Christmas episode. I feel like next year we should get into housing and talk right. about talk about this housing, low-income housing. You, you probably have opinions about low-income housing. I can come up with some, I'm sure. All right. Um, what do we got here? I got this book on the new kids on the block. Wow, this I don't is know a if great have, book. This is my this is my top book of the year. This is a, oh, this is a book from like 1990 by a woman, Lynn Goldsmith. This is just a beautiful thing. Here's a here's an example, and the quote says, "I would love to see everyone happy and me up there being happy with them." Donnie Wahlberg. Is that a missing page or is that? No, just that's no, just that's, the way it is. Every, this hmm. book is just like every page on this book is like some sort of meditation on the fleetingness of fame, the fleetingness of youth. Um, Glorious like, crying fans. Oh man, see if you can find see if you can find those kids who look like the the ones who are crying. This one here. Yeah. So this one here. So this looks like let's just look die. at the top part. This looks like somebody is here because their relative was overseas in the military and died, right? Except down here, Joe McIntyre. <laughs> the new kids have just driven by in a car and these children are like, never forget. <laughs> McIntyre. Anyway, this book is really both hilarious and totally a meditation on these things, which is pretty sweet. I really love this. Um, I want to talk about one more thing. You, you, got, you probably got stuff to talk about. I know. I'm, I'm working off you. All right. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about. I want to talk about my latest crazy theory, which is to try to figure out how large of a city Worcester actually is. Mm -hmm. Because, and I don't know anything about maps or map map science or whatever you would call it. Geography. <laughs> Geography. Cartography maybe? Cartography. Don't know any of these things. Cartography is map making. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. I don't know anything about anything. Um, my, so, because we talked about this on the show. This is, Gabe Rollins the first person who gave, me, gave us this yeah. insight, I think, which is that the reason that Worcester is the second largest city in New England, population-wise, is not because it's a particularly densely settled area. Although it's, compared to a lot of New England, it is densely settled. But compared to many of the urban areas of New England, it's not densely settled. It's just a physically large city. There's just a lot of people within the city boundary. So Worcester is a couple thousand people more than Providence, but Worcester is physically twice as large as Providence, so it has half the population mm -hmm. of density of Providence. And I was trying to figure out what parts of Worcester would you actually say, if you wanted to say Worcester is a city plus suburbs, if you want to draw a line around the city part of Worcester as opposed to the less urban part of Worcester, where would you draw that line and how many people would be in the city part? Uh, well, I think on the west side you draw it along Park Avenue. 
I think Park Avenue is the easy, like delineator between what would be considered urban versus what would be considered suburban, although still a, a right. part of the city. So that sort of roughly carves the city in half. Um, well, I mean, maybe maybe a part of a third, and I, I don't know okay. what the, the the equivalent would be on the other side, but um, yeah, I mean, because on the other side you've got a couple different angles that you'd cut in around yeah. the the urban core of the city. Well, I tell you, here's what I did. I looked at census tracts. I, I guess I mostly say I don't know anything because I really want somebody who knows about this to like. Help me, help us, help us on the show, or send us an angry email with a lot of links telling us how dumb we are. We can follow the links and learn. Um, so the, the population density of provinces, it, province is almost ten thousand people a square mile. The profit, population density of Worcester is forty six hundred people a mm-hmm. square mile. That's just the city in general. So I was looking at census tracts. You know, when they do the census, they sort of break the city down into I don't know, maybe. 20, 30, 40 little blocks. Mm-hmm. And so you can figure out how many people live in those blocks, how large the blocks are physically, and what's the population density. The New York Times actually has a pretty sweet map mm-hmm. breaking down population density. So I sort of looked at like, I tried to look at like chunks that were like about 10,000 people per square mile. Um, and um, I don't even know what this number is that I'm looking at here. Oh, um, and everything in the city actually is either more than 10,000 people per square mile mm-hmm. or it's like less than 8,000 people per square mile. So mm-hmm. there's so so like drawing that line seemed like pop, you know 10,000 would seem like a reasonable line. Sure. 10,000 is basically saying is this chunk larger than Providence on average. And looking at all of those chunks and adding them together get that Worcester would be a city of 58,692 people. So so there's 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 sixty thousand people, there's fifty eight thousand people in Worcester who are living in areas of the city which are as dense as Providence is. Mm-hmm. So Providence is obviously a city of one hundred eighty thousand people. But now, to be fair, Providence. have you gone to look at Providence to also no. dice up the areas that are not nearly as dense as no. the downtown? Because that that's important too. And yes. Providence does oh, have areas well, that are very residential and yes. Actually, I looked at Providence, and, and the thing is, my my first look at Providence actually was that Providence. The population density of Providence was a little more was a little milder. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed a little bit less. This is area is super dense, and this area is not dense at all. It seemed more like everything was just kind of dense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that you know, like obviously, like I mean, yeah. So uh, I thought that was interesting too. I don't know. I just I'm just curious to try to figure out how to grapple with this because I think that and the reason that we care about this besides being geeks, or at least like the reason that I feel like Gabe cared about it and it made me care about it was that you oftentimes see people say. Providence did this, therefore Worcester can do this. Because Worcester is a city the same size, 2,000 people, more than Providence, same area of the country. Providence did such and such, Worcester can do such and such. And in some cases, that's probably true if you're talking about, I don't know, bench, total bench press. Mm-hmm. Providence has 180,000 people, we have 180,000 people. We can probably bench about the same amount as a city total. But a lot of things involve like population density, like how many people live in walkable neighborhoods, how many people live mm-hmm. within 20 miles of City Hall, things like this involve like what works in one city and what doesn't work in another city. And people make this claim that Providence and Worcester are the same in the newspaper all the time. And the two of the telegram is that do not, they, I wish they just had a little boilerplate line saying, even though this person just made said Providence is like Worcester, Worcester is nothing like Providence, mm-hmm. just FYI. But they don't say it. And I think this is me just trying to clarify, like Providence, if, if Providence is a city of 180,000 people, if, if Providence is a 180,000-person mm-hmm. city, Worcester is a 58,000-person city. Again, like you're pointing out, like very good holes in this argument. I don't know, and, and I, I assume that somebody has a real methodology on how to deal with this. And That's I'm, what I'm sure there for. is, but I think there's also, and I, I love. I remember that show that we did with Gabe where we discussed this, and I, and I love that idea. But I think the one bigger problem is is the way we define 
cities as a whole. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like because the, the mentality, like when you reference like a walkable neighborhood or, yeah. or a neighborhood in and of itself, the idea that you know you live in an area where pretty much everything you need in life is within walking distance. That is something that I would argue a lot of people don't take advantage of, even if they have access to it. You know, people travel for work, uh, you know, commute for work and whatnot. They, when you look at Worcester County, I mean, the, the, the thing that should be readily apparent is that while Worcester has been relatively stagnant in terms of population growth, uh, if you look at the growth throughout the county, the growth throughout the county is pretty much what Worcester should have grown to be had hmm. people been had there been walls around the city and people right. not been able to move out to the suburbs after World War II and whatnot when the suburbs started to grow. I, I, I think sometimes we get hung up on how to uh, label and identify uh, a municipality mm -hmm. or a geographic area right. and miss the bigger picture that you know those people are still here and since we're not or you know in a reasonable distance right. to here and since a fair number of people, if not the majority of people, are, are mobile via car and whatnot and not needing to hitch a ride on a wagon to, to get into right. the city, into the urban center for the region, uh, most people probably don't even think about that. Like, I'm sure there are people that live in Holden that yes. consider themselves to be Worcester residents because sure. they grew up in Maine South. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. I, you know, as much yeah. as I'd like to build a wall on the Holden line, I'm not going to fault them for having that mentality because in reality they're just as close to the city center as I am living yes. in Tatnick Square. So like Yes. And and so I mean just to be clear, like this is not about dividing a line and saying mm -hmm. who's in Worcester, who's out, who's in, who's out, who's cool, who's not, or who's right. not cool, who's cool, whichever no, way no, you're it's, it's just about saying like it's trying to understand this region compared to the Providence region. Is it this? What, you know, the Worcester County compared to whatever county province is in county. You know, like trying to trying to understand. The, I think Rhode Island's even big enough to have a full county. You know, trying to understand the municipal, the Worcester municipal area and the province municipal area. Mm -hmm. We'll say it. We'll say it that way. And just trying to understand, like, what what is the, like, and they're probably different in twenty five different ways. Mm -hmm. And I'd really love to delineate this twenty five different ways, so that whenever we had a talk about does Worcester need this, does Worcester need that, should Worcester build this, Worcester should Worcester build that, we can say, and these are the three of the twenty five ways that a province could be relevant here. Sure. But, and you can go in the other direction too and look at like Boston, right? And, and, and Boston's almost the exact opposite problem where, you know, we think of it as a giant city from a residential perspective. Last time I looked, I'm sure this has changed uh, by leaps and bounds, but last time I looked, it was a city of roughly 500,000 people or, or just over half a million people in terms of residency, but it had a daytime population of almost 2 million people from yes. all the people that f flood into the city for work. But it's mostly a ghost town at night until you get into that, 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 that kind of ring area around the city where it's still heavily residential. And while it's more dense than Worcester, there's a good argument to be made that if it were not for the exurbs that are in many cases cities themselves, the Newtons, the Wellesleys, the Somervilles and whatnot, mm -hmm. that Boston probably wouldn't be the city that we view it as today. Right. And conversely, those areas around Boston that also have a lot of things that we in Worcester look at and say, well, why don't we have that? Well, they only have that because Boston is right there to kind of feed the back right. and forth through transit and whatnot. So right. I think there's like a much bigger kind of conversation to have, like, the data is, is super interesting, but I, the motivations at some time is like, you know, trying to find a Worcester identity. The identity is exactly what we make of it. It's not captured in data. It, it is very much who we are and how we define ourselves, which also, oftentimes is this kind of negative hodgepodge of self-loathing. Well, thanks, Brendan. Um, yeah, I think we should have somebody. I want to get somebody on the show who understands this stuff. Uh, well, you know who, who would be great? I don't know if you'd come on the show, but uh, Tim McGarthy from the city, the economic uh, development officer for the city. Uh, I mean, he is actually awesome and, and schooled me quite a bit on the way census data is captured for the purposes of population, and especially the way they market the city uh, outside of Worcester proper and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some very different ways of looking at that data, but it's always important to keep in mind why you're looking at it in a particular way. You know, the, the way the census captures regional data is in this area is different from the way that it's captured 
captured in other parts of the country simply because we've been here longer and our system of governance and our system of linking cities together in a smaller, more compact area is very different from the way it's done in states that haven't been around as long and their population density is structured in a very, very different way by design. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's a million and one ways to dice up this data. It's always I think it's always important though that we're doing it for the right reasons, uh, and not just to pigeonhole Worcester as you know not Providence, which we know it isn't. Whatever. Shane, do you have, do you have a choice quote in there you want to share before we sign up this week? No. I'm good. Something family friendly, man. No, man. Every single one is good. Here's something. I wouldn't come, wouldn't say I come out and just tell a total all-out lie. I never try to deceive a person, but it might be something that slips out. Like when I'm talking with the guys and I was telling them I was checking out this girl and she was checking me out when she probably just looked at me and I exaggerated a little. That's life, Shane. Thanks for being on the show. It's Brendan, so thanks for being good. on the thanks show. Thanks for having me back, man. Yeah. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Happy holidays.